Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. Welcome to the last episode of Big Dreams Daily Joys. Or as, my, or as my autocorrect texted you today, or my voice text, Big James Daily Joyce. I know, right? <laughs> like, what, what even is that? I was like, all right, voice text. Yeah, that was, that was like a, that was a really weird one. <laughs> Big, yeah, that was like a, yeah. Like, if it had put James Joyce together, I, that would have been one thing, but it really just like split that whole thing up. That was, that was a fun one. I really like that. But yeah, this was a great first uh, official Bite Size Book Club in Lifetime. We've incorporated the other ones on there, but... Yeah, this was a really good one. Okay, so uh. today we are going to talk about... We have a, we have a, a long list, but they are really short topics. Mm. So being honest about who you are, what about the really hard stuff, which, yes, <laughs> putting yourself out there. It doesn't have to be flawless to be complete. Let's talk about failure. How change feels. Today is the day. And now what? Mm. Okay. So being honest about who you are. I think we've gotten really good about this. Like I think especially the two of us and especially since we've started the podcast. Yeah. I think we've both gotten really good about, you know, coming into who we are, especially... I don't even want to necessarily say especially online because it's both online and in person. I think we've both been much better about putting up clear boundaries about like, no, this is the type of person that I am. And, you know, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. And for me, it's been a big learning arc of I can be the pleasing, kind, bubbly person I've always been, but that doesn't mean that I have to be people pleasing all the time. Like that's helped. That's been me lately. Like I realized, you know, we'll talk about it more in the one little word episode at the end of the year, but home for me has been finding a home in myself where like, I've been just a lot more vocal in life. Like just when someone oversteps, I've been able to call them on it in a calm way. But like in the past, I would be so afraid of confrontation or of them not liking me or not being pleasing. Like, but I've been better at that. Like knowing that I can be the person I know that I am while still asserting myself. Absolutely. I've been better at that. And I think it's really good, especially since you are someone who wants to communicate effectively. Yeah, always. Right. And then having those clear boundaries up front enable you to communicate effectively. Right. Yes. I had a girl in class yesterday. I was talking to my friend who's also in the class, just like a quick thing, like we're all adults. Like I know when to cut, can it. And she just from across the table, she went, shh. (laughs) And I went, did you just shush me? Like, like I never would have called her on it in the past, but like things like that, or I'm like, I didn't do much after that. I felt like I could have exploded, but I was like, no, you're not going to make a scene here. Like it's fine. But calling her on it was a step in the right direction anyway. So like, I'm not one of your kids, but anyway, that's what I mean. But I like that Elise also kind of the opposite of, of being honest about who you are kind of is like FOMO. And I feel like you know, when you fear missing out on what other people are doing, it's because you feel maybe like what they're doing is righter than you're doing, kind of. Yeah, or- and, and we talk about it a lot 
in that like you see that glimpse of someone's life and you're like, oh, I want that moment in my life. And then you forget about all those other things that also come with the making of that moment. And you forget about how that stuff doesn't really fit into the things you want for your life and the values that you want for your life. And like for me, I love my life and I know people see glimpses of my life and they think, oh, I want, you know, Kristen's life. I see her garden. It's really glamorous. I love, you know, I see that she gets to work from home and it's like, do you really want to like stay in your house all day? Do you really want to, you know, dig dirt and stay and like not have any people interactions? Like some people, yes. Some people would love to, you know, I love it. I love my life. But also I don't live near my family. You know, it takes an airplane to get to them. Right. Or a 12 hour drive over two days. Yeah. And that's not for everyone. But, you know, you see my pretty tomatoes and you're like, damn, I wish I had those tomatoes. And like in a second, I'm like, yeah, you do wish you had those tomatoes. Mm -hmm. But then like when I explain to you that it takes me six months to grow those tomatoes and then like they're gone in a dinner, Mm -hmm. do you really want that? Right. And like what, you know, what do you have to give up in your life to have my tomatoes? Right. Just like what would I have to give up in my life to have what you have? And like there are things that I can't give up in my life because of whatever circumstances, my headaches, you know, I have a partner that's in grad school, all of these other things. Like we all have things in our lives that we can't give up, but they still cause us to, you know, feel like we're missing out on other people's lives sometimes. Yeah. I identify, oh, I'm sorry, again. No, I was going to say, and I think when we are honest about who we are, when we're grounded in, you know, our values and what we want, that FOMO is a lot more fleeting. Like, oh, yeah. I really want those tomatoes. But, oh yeah, they take like six months to grow. I don't have a backyard and like, I don't, you know, I live in a New York City high rise. So yeah. I can't. Yeah. I really identified with this and that whole line of thinking when I thought about like the past few years when I really wanted that like creative career and had that drive for it. And then when I really came down to it, like all these working from home freelancy dreams, like I'm the worst at business. Like I probably could have filled in those things, but like being honest about the fact that it was killing me, (laughs) like it also makes sense with one of the other sections in this part we're going to talk about, but like the hard stuff. The hard stuff, like all of them, basically. But the whole lottery ticket. Uh, oh God! Oh yeah. Actually. Okay. So, like, let's let's skip to that one, and then we'll come back to the hard stuff. Okay. Yeah. Putting so, putting out yourself there. out there. Right. So it's funny that you talk about it like right like that, and I think it's really funny because every single time someone asks me, "How do you get successful at a podcast?" I say, "You show up." Yeah the way that we've become successful at this podcast is we showed up. Right. We put an episode out there every week, you know, rain or shine, snowstorm or whatever. We put an episode out. 
I guess it's not this podcast, our other podcast, you know, the super <laughs> successful podcast that we have. Yeah. Um, and everyone's, you know, like, well, how did you get to, you know, the half million downloads that we're at? Well, we showed up. And, and we, we made the models uh, sustainable. Right. And, and we, we showed up within the sustainable model. We never, ever, ever set out to make a, you know, crazy successful podcast. That was never our goal was to be like, okay, let's do this thing so that we can be great at it, so that we can be better at everyone else in the industry at it. Right. And, you know, while you were trying to find your creative freelancing self, you found this. And like, that's how, that's how you, you know, win the lottery. You put yourself out there and like, this was the thing you put yourself out there at and it caught on, even though it wasn't supposed to be. Right. I love, my favorite line is from the italicized paragraph that breaks, you know, in the middle of page 160. But he says, there's basically no correlation between the amount of work you put into something and how successful it is. Like, at least for me, he says after that, because that's how I feel. I feel like, like we've interviewed some women where I've reflected in my head going, wow, if I did the same thing they did, would it have ended in the same kind of success? And I always felt like probably not because I didn't have what they had. Or like, I feel like you could put in the same amount of work as somebody else, but then flash back to that chapter we just talked about, about being honest with who you are. Like maybe it just wasn't meant for you. Like I think about that when I think of Heather Kell, like all her planner stuff, like I could have probably spent the same hours doing my planner stuff, but would it have resonated in the same way? Who knows? Like probably that, like I always felt like I could put in the work all day, every day, but it's not up to you sometimes. It doesn't always correlate into like something that sticks. And the same amount of work that I put into this with you, I've put into other things that didn't necessarily stick and were able to be as sustained. Right. So that's what I love about that page is that it's like, you have to, you have to recognize that, that the winning the ticket, buying the winning ticket is not the same as just buying, uh, learning how to buy more tickets. Absolutely. And it's not saying that hard work is not, you know, right. That hard work is not necessarily going to be rewarded or that the easy way is the right way. It's just that not all work is rewarded the same. Right. Right. And that, you know, you continue to have to put in the hard work and some things are going to work better than others. And when you find the thing that works, stick with it until it stops working and then pivot to the other thing that works. And then, you know, okay, so let's go to the, you know, I guess we're, let's talk about failure. So many things. When I was at the Huga weekend with uh, Kaylin from Sweetwater Floral, she said the thing that stuck out with the thing that stuck out with me absolute most. I mean, the people are awesome and I love the people. And I'm so glad that I have all of these relationships now. They're fantastic and they're gonna be an amazing resource for me. But the one piece of thing that she one piece of advice, one thing, one literal sentence that stuck out with me the most from the weekend is if you are not failing at 20% of the things that you're doing, you're not trying hard enough. Sure. Well, it's I not think like, bro, go ahead. It's not like you have to get a zero to fail. You know, if you get a 64, you're failing. Right. And it's not like you didn't learn anything. 
you learned lots of things. You just still failed. Right. That's fine. That thing isn't the thing that you're going to do. And we are the type of people who love doing lots of different things. So it doesn't matter if we fail at some of them. Yeah. We can still take that 64% of things that we learned, you know, I mean, if you have a hundred questions on the test, you get 64% of them right, you failed, but you still got 64% of them perfectly right. Right. So take that 64% that you got perfect and utilize that knowledge somewhere else. Right. And I think that the, the growth mindset and the grit and the grace, like that all comes from a changing your perspective on failure. And that's basically what her page is. Like she just talks about like the world has to get over this idea that failure should be avoided. Like what would you do if you can't fail? Like what would you do if failure like wasn't a big deal is a totally different question. Like in one question, we're avoiding the idea that we would ever fail. And then the other question, we're totally accepting that as a possibility, but who cares? Like, (laughs) so- Right. Like I, I feel like I want, as a teacher, I want to work that into my kids more, but I think that's, that's the meat of it is that you just got to recognize it's going to happen. And so what? (laughs) Right. So what? Yeah. We move on. We learn again and we go try harder. And harder doesn't necessarily mean the same way with more effort. Right. It can mean in a slightly different way Mm -hmm. or from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's something that's, that's interesting. And I think one of the things that I really liked from this chapter about, okay, so she talks about like, what about the really hard stuff? Because most of this, this book has been pretty light. Like, you know, here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. You know, even breaking it down and giving us this really good language to talk about things that are nuanced that we didn't really have And I'm glad that she brings up, you know, well, like, what about, like, when life actually sucks? Yeah, this was a little out of place for me. Like, when I saw it, I I get why she put it, but I also feel like as she was writing this book, something must have, like, occurred in the news or personally that, like, affected her to make her put this in. Like, it didn't feel like it flowed with the rest. I think she put it in here because... To, to mitigate questions and criticism, to be like, well, Elise, what about the really hard stuff? Like, well, how can how I, I do all of everything else? Right. How do I tackle my goals, you know, when someone dies? How do I tackle my goals when I have a baby? How I do see. I tackle my goals when, like, you know, the coronavirus hit and we can't go out of the house and I can't go to work and I can't do my meetings and I have a business plan and I can't go and rent my store and I can't do any of the stuff. And, you know, just having the solution, you know, just having her say. That is not what she's talking about in this book. (laughs) Right. And also, like, this is life. Right. Life still goes on. You have a baby. Yeah. The sun comes up. The sun goes down. You know. And I'm going to. I know for me and you. this is a little bit closer to home than a lot of people. But being a older teen 
and living in the New York metropolitan area during 9-11, you see that life goes on. Even when the biggest tragedies occur, the sun comes up and the sun goes down and people come together to make sure that the things that need to happen, happen. And she talks about, you know, prioritization in earlier chapters. She talks about making lists. She talks about all of these different things that, you know, when the really hard stuff happens, all of those things are going to be equally important. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when we flip back to the yellow section, you know, stop reinventing the wheel. Finding mm-hmm. pockets. When mm-hmm. you're going through tragedy, finding pockets is essential. Yeah, this little section about the hard stuff reminded me of, of when we talked about a while ago when she was talking about, like, some seasons you will not be able to work. Like, it tied yes. into that theme for me. Yes. Like, there are just seasons of life when a big change happens, even if it isn't hard, it's going to just be transitional, which is new Correct. house or new, you know. So this is, I, that rang in my ear when I was reading this, because that's where it ties into me that like, she's saying space for not doing anything that I've given you advice to do. (laughs) Right. Like when you were having your really hard time two years ago. Yeah. You know, you didn't have room for pockets. Right. There were no pockets for you. And you know, you just needed room to just remind yourself that the sun was going to come up. Right. And the sun was going to go down. And Sometimes that's all that matters. When you're going through grief, the death of a loved one, you know, when stuff is going around that you have literally no control over, sometimes all you can do is make a list. Right. Sometimes all you can do is sleep and shower and eat. And then, you know, what the hell do goals matter? Right. But then they'll matter again. They will eventually matter again. And I think the other thing that, that's really important that she talks about at the end here is that asking for help is important. Right. You are not alone. Even if people cannot offer you the things that you need in the moment, that's okay. Asking for help is still important. The world needs you. Your talent is important. Creating yeah. art is important. And then we get back to, at the end here, as I flip through. Well, the section we kind of did, 1164, we didn't talk about yet, where it doesn't have to be flawless to be complete. Oh, I yes, think we that, ties that, in, yeah. that ties in nicely to the, to the hard stuff because the wholeness and the completeness is perfection. I like that she defined it. I love those two words together. And that ties into like the crappy stuff too. Like your whole, even when the hard stuff is happening and you feel broken and empty, it's like part of the wholeness and completeness of this like human experience. <laughs> yes. And this is something that I've been trying to get, uh, I've been trying to talk about a lot when I talk about daily pages is that you don't have to do daily pages every day. Yeah. It's not about, you know, this is a flawless project where you wake up every single morning and the first thing that you do is walk over to your desk and make something beautiful. Right. 
it's a creative habit. And just like she was saying here, like, if you want a daily running habit, you know, if, if you want to start being run, if you want to start running, or like the thing that we've talked about, you know, oh, I want to be a runner, but if I don't run every day, then I'm not a runner. So why would right. I even start running only two days a week? Right. And just because you've created an idea of what, like a, an ideal version of something is in your head, that doesn't mean anything less than that is a complete version. Right. Right. I love this page. So much gets wasted on the quest for perfection, she says on that big blue page. Yes, because yeah. I, mean, I have all of these daily pages books. They're all complete. It doesn't matter if I did them every single day in a row. Yeah. Who cares? Right. And this kind of ties into me for that conversation we had when we did like uh, Thursday 3 in the selfie episode a long time ago. And we were talking about like people that spend time in the perfect photo and then they don't enjoy the party or like the event. Right. Yes. Kind of the same metaphor. Yes, 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 yes. At the concerts too. Yeah. Where, right. Everyone's like, oh my God, I was, I was literally just at this concert. And, and it was, was perfect. Look. <laughs> well, at this guy, this guy that was standing next to me was trying to videotape it the entire friggin' time. And his arm was like above me. <laughs> and I was just like, can you not? <laughs> and like his phone just kept making noise. And it's just like, hello, live event. <laughs> be here dude you paid right. for the ticket right which is the kind of the same thing like be here in right. all its Show messiness up. right and I think like that's another thing of like you know when you when you are consistently showing up you don't recognize the change happening so when like change has happened you don't feel changed. Yeah. And I love yeah. that she, on 168, she says, change is tiny micro tears that you can have to, change is tiny micro tears that you have to sit with and let heal and then continue to tear and heal over and over again. Yeah. And I don't remember where it was, but somewhere in the book, she talks about like a baseball player not having time to think about the last error because he has to get up to hit again. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of ties into that too. Like when you're constantly like pushing yourself forward despite imperfection, then there's no time to think about imperfection. Right. And I think that's so important with like why creating habits is such a good idea mm. because then you don't have time to dwell on how imperfect your previous iteration of the habit is. You're just making the habit. Yeah. Yeah, true. Right. Habit and repetition needing to get to the next, uh, attend to the next thing. Right. And it's not about like, oh, I didn't do this one of the habit perfect enough. Mm. It's just, it just is. Right. And you just sit there with it. Yeah. Until and you got to get up and do the next. <laughs> right. It, right. And then it's, right. It's then on to the next thing. Yeah. And sometimes it's cool to sit there and, you know, dwell on a thing that you did and pay attention to it and 
sit with it. But that's not something that we need to be doing with all of the things that we do. And every time and every, you know, part of every to-do list and every goal and every action item. Because inevitably, I feel like, at least in my experience, I tend to dwell on the wrong things. And then I don't celebrate the right things. Mm. And I could, you know, go out of my way to change the way that I celebrate things and dwell on the right things. I could just, like, put my head down and do the freaking work. Right. I feel like dwelling is what the anxiety community calls ruminating. It's like the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like unproductive yes. overthinking. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And that's the thing is that it's unproductive. Yeah. You know, just give me some productive stuff. Yeah. Like that's what I've been doing lately is when I find myself ruminating on like the news, I just put my phone in a drawer. Phone gets a timeout. And like normally when I would be like, okay, I need to respond to some text messages or something. No, because then I will be just like, okay, maybe these people are giving me news information that I just don't need to be anxious about right now. So like 169 says pick a mantra. Your mantra in that case is kind of like put the phone down and focus. Put the phone down and focus. Like don't do like put the distraction down and focus is kind of yes. like keep telling yourself exactly like now it's work time yeah i've been trying to stick to healthier eating and then i'll feel the sugar pull and my unconscious mantra has been something like you know be steadfast in what you set out to do like like it's me reminding myself like even though you have that craving like you know why you want to eat healthy like immune system building too right there's a lot of that in my mind but I, so I keep like every time I feel my craving beer, I'm like, no, 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 stick to the plan. Hard boiled eggs, not a waffle. Like, you know, that kind of thing. I'm trying, but that's been mine lately this week. And I think that having that can be really good, especially when it's a productive thought. Yeah. And I love that she finishes up the book with two things. Today is the day and what's next. Mm-hmm. Because or what now? Now what? Oh, is it what? Now what? Now what? Because <laughs> it sets us up with two different things. Mm-hmm. One, we can concentrate on right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we waiting for? Let's do this thing. We're going to do it right now. There's, you know, we've made it through the whole friggin' book. We have a whole instruction manual on what to do. We got this thing, you know? why, you know, there's no reason, no day but today, literally. Mm-hmm. And then also, she understands that leaving can be a, a little bit of an anxious thing. So here is a little bit of a way to depart without that anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I love that she was like, I wanted to spend the entire book just telling you not to panic the entire time. Yeah, this is, this is a great send off. You're right. I didn't even think about it like that, but that was a great summation. And it's, it's good that it's like, you know, don't panic, but still you have to do all of this stuff. 
Mm-hmm. This stuff is not going to get done by itself. None of this is going to happen by yourself. And also it's not going to take one move. Like, I think that's important to recognize is like so many people, like she gave the list of all the things that the PI just had a baby. I don't know. I have time for me. Like, like why do we ask these questions, these big life questions about, Oh no, I don't know how to do this. Like it just takes one move that we're going to fuck up. Like that's not what it is at all. Right. This is yeah. the, th- the big things that we want to do are going to take forever Mm -hmm. and it takes I mean like most of the to-do lists that I write out take me like friggin 45 minutes just to write the to-do list (laughs) a little guilty in my planner too and they have to be the right color yeah but like even when they're the right color it makes it easier to get the stuff done on your to-do list right it's easier to process in your head if you write out the correct to-do list for you Yeah. And so when you do things correctly, they take an amount of time that you don't really think about. And so when you think about, like, when you actually measure the amount of time things take, that's always longer than you think, or sometimes it's a hell of a lot shorter than you think. Mm-hmm. And these things stack and these things fit into each other and it is process it is systems and to make big moves it takes time and then you have to wait for things and then you have to wait for people and it's not just like why didn't this just happen and i know we all know this but sometimes we need that reassurance of like yeah no all of these people who are doing amazingly cool things they failed at a bunch of stuff it's been in the works for 10 years Everything they do is, you know, overlapping and complicated. And they failed at things and cried in parking lots. And that's okay because all the times that you've failed and cried in parking lots, it just means that you need to keep on keeping on. And so now we have finished Elisa's Big Dreams Daily Joys. Wow. And we are ready for some more big dreams and a lot of daily joys. That's this has been a really good one for us. Yeah. We got a some... no-brainer. Yeah, really, 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 some really good conversations out of this one. I really like this one. Yeah. Okay. We will be back in April with Lisa Congdon's... I, I will continue... Voice. Find your Find your artistic voice. I will continue to mess up that title, guys, so continue to make fun of me. Because I have no idea how I continue to blank on the very easy title of Find Your Artistic Voice <laughs> um, with the amazing Lisa Congdon. And come find us with, on the regular show because we're going to start another new season and it's going to be amazing. And have an amazing start to your spring, guys. Big Dreams, Daily Joys by Elise Blaha Kripe. Fantastic book. I am so excited to use all of the stuff that we learned in my, uh, it's a good gift too for like college graduates or like anyone you're working with. That's like, yeah, like literally anyone starting a job, anyone like transitioning to a new job, anyone quitting yeah. a job, anyone retiring, anyone moving, having a baby, all of those things. Yep. So go get this book for people. Have them listen to the show, especially since 
people might be sitting in their houses for a while. So yeah, we love you. Thank you for listening to the Bite Size Book Club and find us over at craftyassfemale.com. Bye guys.